that we've been approached with over the past week when we see tragedies like we see happen uh, in the uh, Texas last weekend. A lot of people have concerns about security. Uh, what are we doing to prevent? What are we doing to uh, uh, try to be proactive in those situations? And I just want to give you a a uh, sense of assurance and peace that we understand this is a place that should be a p place of safety, a place of refuge, a place of worship. Uh, we can't control all things, but we are trying to control what we can control, and uh, we appreciate your help with that. We have had for quite some time a policy regarding security. We have uh, security cameras in place that are constantly monitored during these services. We have a security team in each service that... that uh, uh, travels around our facilities in the parking lot, keeping an eye out on things to see if anything stands out. Uh, we want you to know that, that we have people that are every week that are serving you in that capacity, that have volunteered not to be in a worship service, but to uh, do what needs to be done to protect our children and protect the lives of the people that worship here. And so we want you to be aware of that. We want you to know that. We want you to feel safe. Uh, here, uh, I can assure you that someone is not going to be able to walk in this place and shoot 50 people before something is, is taken care of. And it's a tragedy what happened in Texas, but it was just the, the design of their building. There was only one way in, one way out. Uh, we want you to be aware there are multiple exits all throughout these facilities, many doors that you can leave out that will take you outside should something ever occur. We do want you to know that there's only one way in to this place on Sunday mornings now, and we do that on purpose. We know uh, it's a, a burden for some to have to walk uh, as far as they have to walk, but the only place that you can enter our facilities are through the front door, and we do that on purpose and not to punish anyone that uh, might have to park on the other side of the parking lot. When we complete our children's center, there will, will be another point of entry there. But all other doors in this facility are locked while you're here. You can go out, but no one else can come in. And we do that on purpose. And so we just want you to know that we don't take these things lightly. We never have. We've tried to be proactive in the years prior uh, to these events. But it's the time in which we live in. And we have to accept that. We have to be prepared for that. But we want you to know that we are uh, uh, doing our best to try to keep you and your children safe as you worship here in this church. So just continue to pray for those people. I shared Wednesday night. We talked about it a little bit in our Wednesday night Bible study. And, and I had told Lynette, I said, I can't imagine uh, the pastor and his wife w weren't even there when this happened. They were out of town. The associate pastor was preaching. He lost his life. Uh, I think eight members of his family. Uh, but that pastor there lost his daughter who was in service that day. And then he's got 25 funerals uh, to preach uh, in the coming days. And I can't even imagine. So saturate those people uh, in your prayers uh, over this next week as well. Well, uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. If you're a guest that's visiting with us today, we want you to know that it's awesome. Uh, that you chose to worship with you. We're excited to see new guests uh, join us. We think we have a, a wonderful uh, church family that you would fit right into. Uh, but if you're here visiting for the first time, we have some guest cards in the back of the seats there that we would love for you to fill out. Uh, and you can leave it laying in your seat. You take it to the Welcome Center on your way out, 
And uh, we've got a gift for you back there if you want to drop that off. We promise we're not going to harass you. Uh, we just want to know who you are and that you're here and, and uh, maybe be able to follow up with you on that. But uh, it's good to have you. This morning, we're in week five of our series that we've been calling Godly Wisdom. And if you've missed any of it, uh, always a reminder, you can go back to our website and catch up on any weeks that you missed. Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can do a search on Greenbrier Nazarene. Uh, and, and pick up uh, where you may have missed in any sermon series. Also, the podcast called Saints of the Church is out there. I really encourage you to go listen to that. If you don't know how to do a podcast, find somebody that can point you in that direction. Uh, some great interviews with some people of the church that I think uh, will be an encouragement to you. A lot of young people have listened to those and said, you know, how it really inspired them and uh, reminded them how much, uh, you know, we all need a church family, the body of Christ in our lives. So I encourage you to go listen to those. Some great interviews that Hunter, our uh, creative arts pastor, has done. But we're, we've been in this series the last five weeks called Godly Wisdom. We've been looking at the life of Solomon. And uh, I'll be perfectly honest with you, <laughs> I mentioned earlier in this ser series that Sermon was considered, you know, to be a very talented writer. Uh, he was, uh, you know, based on the wisdom that God had given him, he had written uh, a lot of uh, books, a lot of things. Uh, I made reference to the fact that some of his writings uh, that we've been looking at were in the book of Proverbs, uh, and also made mention of the fact that his writings were in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, throughout this series, we've looked at a lot of passages of Scripture that Solomon wrote about out of Proverbs, and I honestly uh, originally had planned to close out this series last week, uh, and here's why. Uh, although Solomon wrote uh, what we believe to be the majority of the book of Ecclesiastes, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, I, you, you know, I really just didn't even know what to do with it. Uh, I, I mean, if you've ever read Ecclesiastes, I'm sure you came away with it, maybe scratching your head about some things, maybe questioning uh, some things uh, that, that are said in Ecclesiastes because it includes some verses uh, kind of like these. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 9 says, the same destiny ultimately awaits for everyone, whether you're religious or wicked, good or bad. And that's not exactly the message that I get up here and preach every week, is it? Whether you're good or bad, you're all going to end up in the same place, right? Have the same destiny. And then there's just odd random advice that we find through the book of Ecclesiastes, like we find in chapter 9 and verse 8 that says, Wear fine clothes with a splash of cologne. <laughs> now, I, you know, I, granted, I know some people that need to hear that. And they, they need to know that, but is that really important enough to include in the Bible? And so, you know, I guess it is. Somebody this morning here needed to hear a word from the Lord. And everybody around you will be grateful and thankful, right? And then there's some things here that are just politically incorrect. Uh, verses like we find in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 28. He says, I found one upright man among a thousand out of 1,000 men he said he found one man that was upright and I'm like okay well you know you probably could have stopped there he probably should have stopped there because he goes on to say but not one upright woman among them all 
I mean, good grief. That's not politically correct. We don't talk like that in the church. That looks like a Trump tweet. <clears throat> and speaking of tweeting, did Trump really need to be given 280 characters? I mean, whoever thought that was a good idea, really? <clears throat> I, I, I won't go there, but anyway, and then there's some just incredible wisdom that's included in Ecclesiastes, and I'm not even sure what the point of this verse is. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 3, whether a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where it falls, there it will lie. God bless you. I'm like, thank you, Captain Obvious. He could have at least told us whether it makes a sound or not, right? I mean, that's the question we all want to know. <clears throat> and so you read some of Ecclesiastes, and I'm like, well, we'll just end this series last week because what I do with some of this? I mean, really, you know, uh, y'all see how hard my job is sometimes. But as crazy as some of this may sound, actually... You know, I think it's a great place for us to wrap up this series today uh, that we've been talking about godly wisdom. And I want to wrap up this series here in uh, uh, Ecclesiastes because, you know, just a casual reading of this could be confusing for some of us as we read through it. But I believe it's also very clear. I believe it also brings a lot of clarity uh, to our lives as, as followers of God. And so this morning, I'm going to warn you, give you a heads up. You're going to have to be on your toes this morning uh, because we're going to be looking at a ton of scripture out of Ecclesiastes. Uh, so listen fast because I'm going to be flying through this pretty fast this morning. But I, I want us to start today at the beginning, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and just pick it up at verse 1 and uh, begin there. God's word says this, these are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? And so we see right here in the introduction of this book, right here in verse number one, we see who wrote the book. I mean, it's obviously Solomon, right? He gives us the description. He's King David's son, who's now the king of Israel. He's the teacher here. When you see a reference to the teacher throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, it's Solomon. So we learned that, that Solomon is the teacher, and he talks about, and we've been studying throughout 1 Kings, we've seen, and, and he talks about here how he got everything that anyone could possibly want out of life. I mean, he, he had it all. He had wisdom. He had, you know, women. He had riches. He had power. He had great success. He had every single thing that this world could possibly offer a man. But what we learn from Solomon's life is this. Being out of God's will, being on the path that God doesn't intend for you to be on in life, right? We see here that, that this path, being out of God's will, still left him empty. That was Solomon's life, basically, in, in a nutshell. He had everything this world had to offer, but yet still we see that he says life to him is meaningless. And here's very, something very important to understand uh, about the book of Ecclesiastes. When you're reading through it, and, and this is probably going to encourage some of you when you go home to actually read through it, see what's there. But when you read through this book, you need to understand that there are two different voices uh, 
speaking here in the book of Ecclesiastes. There's basically two different narratives that are, are taking place here. One is the voice of this teacher who we see talk repeatedly about how meaningless uh, life is, even with all these accomplishments, even with all that he's uh, achieved and gained and all the success. And then we see another voice or another narrative take place of, of what uh, many refer to as the editor who makes comments along the way about what the teacher is saying uh, here in the book. And, and sometimes we see the editor will uh, affirm what the teacher has said, and then there's other times where we see the editor uh, basically correcting what the teacher has written or what the teacher has said. Some scholars believe that Solomon was actually the writer and the editor, that both of these narratives that are found here uh, were written by Solomon, that he wrote, uh, you know, the original text at a younger point in his life. And then as he approached the final days of his life, he went back and, and edited it some and, and made some notes and some corrections and some comments about it. And this seems to me more like the natural reading as you go through it and you read the book of Ecclesiastes. But as we study the life of uh, of Solomon in 1 Kings where we've been the past several week, weeks, we never see, really see this place where Solomon comes to a point of repentance in his life. We, we never see him really come to a point uh, of what we have recorded in Scripture where Solomon gets off this path that leads to destruction and gets back on the path that God intended for him to be on. And so that leads to another belief uh, that some scholars have about this, and that's that's the belief that they believe that Solomon wrote a lot of this, but at some time later, an editor, a different person, uh, came along. He took some of Solomon's writings, he put them in this book, and then he offers his divinely inspired uh, interpretation of what's being said here. So uh, some believers, uh, some scholars believe that there are actually two writers uh, here in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, who ended his life, you know, living like a fool and writing about how meaningless it all was. And then the editor who compiles these writings and adds to and, and corrects him. And I, and, and, you know, I'll be honest with you, I, I have no idea which of those is correct, okay? Because you could read both sides of that from a lot of different scholars. But here's the good news. It really doesn't matter, <laughs> okay? It really doesn't matter how it happened. Uh, if there was one writer, if there was two writers, or if there was three writers, it doesn't change the interpretation, and it doesn't change the fact that it was divinely inspired by God to be in his word to be included in his word to us as his followers. We just need to understand it, that when we're reading it and when we're studying it, that there are two distinctive narratives that are taking place uh, here in this book. And so we need to be real sure not to take some of these verses out of context like I did a few minutes ago, okay? We need to be careful not to do that. Uh, because it can be confusing. Another thing that I want to point out here in this introduction is in verse 2 where the teacher uses this word meaningless. He says everything is meaningless, right? Now, uh, other translations of the Bible use the word futility. Uh, some translations use the word vanity or smoke. The original Hebrew language that's used here is actually the word hevel. 
And so all these words that we see in the different translations are words that are applicable to this word hevel uh, in the English language. Words that, uh, that are meaningless, futile, uh, futile, vanity, smoke, vapor. It means a little bit of all of these. And, and so we see the, this referenced in Ecclesiastes 38 different times throughout the book. We see this Hebrew word Hevel that's interpreted meaningless or futile or, or whatever. And, and Solomon is, is basically saying this is what life is like. All right? It looks like one thing from the outside, but it, it, it's, it, it's really not what it appears to be. Solomon says this is exactly what my life looks like. It's all Hevel. Right? It appears to be glamorous. It appears to be successful. It seems to be, uh, be you know, glorious. It, it appears to be all these things, but what, what you see is really not what you get with this. It's all, all heavy. It's kind of like looking at clouds when you're a little bitty kid. Do you remember laying on your back and looking up at the clouds and thinking, man, I'd love to ride on one of those. They look, you know, like a pillow. They look fluffy. It looks like something that I could sit on or, you know, I, I could maybe ride on and how awesome that would be. But then you get a little older and you get on an airplane and you fly through one of those clouds and you realize, you know, there's really nothing to this. There's nothing that would really uh, here that, that would sustain me. Uh, it's full of nothing. It's just empty. And, and, and so sometimes in our lives, uh, we find that even though we may be trying to do the right things, we may be trying to do good things, you know, life doesn't always turn out the way it appears. It's not, not always what it, what it seems. And so what we see here basically is Solomon just being honest about that. He, he's just being honest about that fact. He's saying, you know what, wisdom is good, but it's not always the answer for everything in life. He's not saying that life itself is meaningless, okay? It's just not always what it appears to be, don't miss this, under the sun. It's not what it always appears to be under the sun, and this phrase used here in verse 3, under the sun, is used in the book of Ecclesiastes 28 other times. 29 times we see the phrase, under the sun, the teacher indicates that his perspective and what he's writing about only comes under the sun, here on this earth, here in this life. Because what's over the sun? Somebody help me. What's over the sun? Heaven, right? We sang about it earlier. Let me, I, I wanted to pull the lyrics up to what we were singing earlier. And on that day when my strength is failing... The end draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending 10,000 years and then forevermore. That's over the sun, folks. That's what we're looking forward to is what is over the sun. Solomon is only giving us here his perspective of how things appear here on earth under the sun. Not heaven's perspective, which is over the sun but but that's what we we see the second voice the narrative the second narrative of the editor do he reminds us that there is more to this life than what we see under the sun and the reason that this is important for every single one of us is because there will be a time in all of our lives when life appears to be heavy. Okay, when when I, I mean, you feel like that you're doing what you're supposed to do, uh, but things don't turn out the way that you thought that they should that should turn out. And sometimes life, honestly, some of you would even probably say this today. Sometimes life just seems absurd. 
Sometimes life seems unfair. There are sometimes in life where we look at things and go, this is all meaningless, like Solomon would say. And so uh, what I want to do this morning is look at some ways that Solomon experienced life under the sun as Hevel. The first thing Solomon realizes is this, pursuing, pursuing pleasure and pursuing power was Hevel. It was absurd. There's, there's nothing to it once you got it, right? This is what Solomon discovered, and so many people today are pursuing so many things under the sun that are really meaningless when you consider the big picture of things over the sun, right? Let, let's look at how Solomon explains it. Chapter 2, uh, verse 1 and 3, he said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. Treat yourself, enjoy life, have fun. But he says in verse 3, after much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. And he goes on to say down in verse 10, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure. Don't listen to some of this you need here. I even found great pleasure in working really hard. Because why? Because I received a reward for all my labors. A bigger paycheck, a nicer house, a newer car. I did all these things. Remember all that Solomon had? I mean, we've been talking about and looking. Everything in his house was made of gold, right? Everything in his house, even the toilet seats, made of gold. Everything was made of gold. He was multi-talented. He was a great author. He was a, you know, award-winning songwriter. I'm sure he would have been on CMAs the other night, uh, singing hopefully country because none of that was. But, you know, but he had led the nation to its greatest prosperity that it had ever experienced. They were experiencing peace like they never had before. They had power like they had never had before. He had built the most impressive temple that the world had ever seen before. That's a pretty cool list of accomplishments, wouldn't you say? I I mean, anyone under the sun would love to be known for the things that Solomon was known for. You know, having great success. It's the American dream that so many people are are chasing today. But look at what Solomon goes on to say in the next verse, verse number 11. He says, but as I looked at everything I'd worked so hard to accomplish, it was also meaningless. Like chasing the wind. Anybody ever chased the wind before? Did you catch it yet? Right? That's what Solomon's saying. You know, all of this that I'd worked so hard to accomplish was like chasing the wind. I never accomplished it. I I never caught it. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. And don't miss this today because there are some of you that are here today who are pursuing the same things that Solomon pursued under this sun. Right? But Solomon says, listen, I had it all. I had more than any of you will ever have. I I had it all, and at the end of my life, under the sun, what was it? Hevel. It was all meaningless. Multiple times throughout Scripture, we see Solomon write, you know what? Money is good. Love and sex are good. Health is good. They're all gifts from from God to enjoy, but when they come to primary place where you seek happiness where they become the primary things in your life where you're trying to find happiness and joy. Solomon's saying, listen, you're going to find them empty. (laughs) 
They, they, they look good in the sky, but once you get in the middle of it, there's really nothing there. It's all heaven. You will find them empty. These things will leave you feeling empty. In fact, we see the editor in Ecclesiastes explain it like this in chapter one, verse, uh, chapter six, verse one and two. There is another serious tragedy I've seen under the sun, and it weighs heavily on humanity. God gives some people great wealth and honor and everything that they could ever want. But then, he doesn't give them the chance to enjoy these things. They die. And someone else, even maybe a stranger, ends up enjoying their wealth. This is meaningless. He says, a sickening tragedy is what he calls this. And here's what he's saying here. There's money, and there are good things. And then, there's the ability to enjoy them. And those are two separate things. Those are two different things. For a happy life, you don't only, only need money and love. You need the ability to enjoy these things that God has blessed you with and gives you. And that's a, separate, that's a separate gift of God that you have to seek in a different way. And so Solomon, Solomon's saying, here's the deal. When you die, listen, don't miss this. This newsflash for some of you. When you die, you are dead. All right? When you die, you are dead, and guess what? Nothing that you have gained, nothing that you have built, nothing that you have accumulated, nothing that you have succeeded in is going to help you at that point. <laughs> right? When you're dead, you're dead. Nothing you've gained or accomplished is going to benefit you anymore at that point and at that time. He actually says it like this in chapter 5, verse 15. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as the day that we were born. We can't take our riches with us. And this, too, is a very serious problem. Listen, people leave this world no better off than when they came. All their hard work is for nothing. Like working for the wind. Throughout their lives, they live under a cloud. Throughout their lives, they are frustrated. Throughout their lives, they are discouraged. Throughout their lives, they are angry. Why? Because it's all Hevel, right? And, and aren't you glad you came to church today to get this encouraging message, huh? Amen. We got to get it, folks. We, we've got to understand what the message is. And, and we've got to understand this. There is more to this life than what you see under the sun. <laughs> because regardless of what you do, regardless of how smart you become, Right? Or, or how wise you become or how successful you may become, life under the sun is heaven. Life under the sun is unpredictable, right? You can't forecast what your day is going to be tomorrow. You have no idea. Like we talked about last week, life is going to throw you a curveball. And if it hasn't yet, there's one coming, right? Solomon describes it like this in chapter 9, verse 11. I've observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win. The fastest, the strongest warrior doesn't always win. The wise, sometimes they go hungry. And the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. Listen, things don't always go like we think they will go. 
Things don't always turn out the way we think they ought to turn out. And we've all seen this. Two people can make the exact same life decision and one become a millionaire and the other one be poor. Right? And, and here's the deal. Not even righteous living guarantees you a successful life. Not even doing all the good that you can possibly do. Not even a thousand red and green shoe boxes. Righteous living doesn't get, guarantee us anything under the sun. Chapter 7, verse 15 says, I have seen everything in this meaningless life, including, think about it, the death of good young people and the long life of wicked people. Listen, sometimes life is unpredictable. Sometimes life is uncertain and it doesn't make sense. It's hevel. And so we've got to learn what Solomon learned, and that's pursuing pleasure is absurd. Pursuing uh, power in this life is absurd. The second thing that Solomon learns from life under the sun is this. Pursuing wisdom is absurd. And after this entire series being about wisdom, now we learn that pursuing wisdom is absurd, right? But the type of wisdom that Solomon is talking about being absurd is not the kind of godly wisdom that we've been talking about the last few weeks that we all need in our lives. Let's flip back over to chapter 1 now uh, uh, here in Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, and, and pick it up at verse 16. He said to myself, look, I'm wiser than any of the kings who've ever ru ruled in Jerusalem before. I have greater wisdom and I have greater knowledge than any of them. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all this, here it is again, something you'll never catch. Pursuing this wisdom is like chasing the wind. And here's why, folks. Listen, none of us can fully understand the things of God. Okay? None of us can fully understand the things of God, especially under the sun. It's just, it, it, it's simply not possible. And then he says over in chapter 3, verse 11, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. Some of God's thoughts and, and some of God's works, we may be able to grasp and we may be able to understand. I mean, good grief, the gospel message is so simple that a small child can understand it and place their faith in Jesus Christ. But there are some things in this world that we're just never going to understand about God. And we're not going to be able to understand. And, and, and here's what I've learned. The older I'm getting, the more that I know, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> right? And, and if, if, you, if you don't struggle with that yet, you go home and read the book of Ecclesiastes. Go figure that out. All right? Uh, for everything that you learn in this life, the more that you realize there is so much more that we truly don't understand. Right? And so trying to gain earthly wisdom under the sun, Solomon is saying, you know, I, I, I had all this wisdom. I had all this knowledge. I, I thought I could figure life out on my own. Solomon says, I've done it, and it's meaningless. It, it's hevel. And so now that I've totally discouraged all of us uh, this morning, what, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? And as we close out this series today, I think it's important for us this morning to go to the last chapter of this book and the last verses of what's being said here to us. And, and it says this, chapter 12, verse 13 and 14, the very last two verses of the book of Ecclesiastes say this. That's the whole story. And here now is my final conclusion. 
Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. So what's the editor doing here? He's taking us back over the sun, right? I've often thought about this on days when we're doing a funeral and there's a casket down here in, in place of this communion table. I, I often wonder, you know, and, and think about all the accomplishments. We talk about them at the memorial services, the accomplishments, the things that they've done, the things that they've been successful at, the impact that they've made on other lives. But, but what is it that they left behind? Because let me tell you something. When they're in that casket, they have left everything that they have ever worked for behind. Right? It doesn't amount to a hill of beans over the sun. It, it meant a lot under the sun. Right? And so the editor here is, is trying to remind us, he's trying to take us back over the sun and give us the perspective of godly wisdom that we need in our lives and in our families and in our church and in our world today. He's saying, don't miss this. There is a God and godly wisdom teaches us that over the sun, we're going to experience eternal life. And over the sun, we're going to experience eternal joy. And over the sun, we're going to experience happiness forever and ever and ever. There is coming a time over the sun where good is going to be rewarded. There's coming a time over the sun when evil is going to be punished justly the way that it should be. And the awesome thing is, you know, this book may seem confusing to us, but listen, Ecclesiastes is not the only book in the Bible. It's not. Luckily for us, Ecclesiastes is not all that we've got, but the entire Bible, when you look at it as a whole, is God's message to us over the sun, right? That's his message, and God declares, here's the deal, folks, bottom line, you're going to die, and after you die, you will face the judgment. That's the message that comes from over the sun. You're going to die, and you're going to face judgment, and if you are wise... If you are wise, you will live your life under the sun in a way where you are prepared to give an account when you meet him over the sun, right? That's wise living. That's godly wisdom. Ecclesiastes' purpose in showing you the absurdity of life is not to turn you into an atheist. The, the point of Ecclesiastes is try to turn, trying to turn us into humble followers of Jesus Christ that get it that understand what our purpose is here in this world. And majority of the things that people are chasing under the sun are truly meaningless. And it's telling us, you know what? We may not understand it all here. <laughs> it may not all make sense to us here. We may look at what happened last Sunday and go, that's absurd. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And it may... At, at, at times in our lives appear to be hevel and be meaningless and be crazy, but that's okay because here's the deal. There is a God who is bigger than all of it. Amen. There is a God who is in control and in charge over the sun and under the sun, and it's important that you know him. That is what is not meaningless. That is what is not absurd, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And in its own strange way here, I believe that Ecclesiastes points us to Jesus. 
I, I believe it does. We look around at times and we go, what's the point? And then Jesus shows up in the New Testament and says, I'm the point, right? We go, what's the point? I don't understand. And Jesus says, there is a point. Let me help you understand. And the point is, is that I loved you so much that I purchased your soul with my own blood so that you could have life over the sun, right? Under the sun doesn't really matter all that much when you look at what we are going to receive over the sun. And Jesus said, that's why I came. That's why I died. And we know through the resurrection of Jesus that our labor here under the sun is not going to be in vain. It's not in vain. And so I believe that Jesus would say to us, while you're here under the sun, embrace it. Okay, embrace this life. I gave you life. I want you to have good life. He promises us life here and, and more abundantly. And so I would encourage you, and I believe Jesus would encourage you to embrace this life. Even though it may seem absurd at times, it may appear to be random. It may appear to be, you know, constant changing chaos. I, I would say embrace it because it may not be perfect now, but if you live your life with godly wisdom, the wisdom of knowing that, you know what, this world is not perfect now, but one day over the sun, it all will be made perfect. Amen. It all will be made perfect. And, and, and then when I believe we understand that and we grasp that and we understand this message that Solomon's trying to tell us, all these things that we're working for, all these things that we're killing ourselves over under the sun, don't matter. What matters is what's coming over the sun. And when we understand that, I believe we can have joy in our lives today. I believe you can be happy today. I believe you can walk out of here as a Christian today and the world look at you and say, there's something different about them because they've got joy and happiness and they don't look as mad as everybody else in the world. And if you can't get that mad looking face off your face, something's wrong. Good grief, I'm here preaching my guts out. Some of you look like you're mad. And it's just 11.30. I could go 30 more if I, I won't. I know. Listen, joy in your life today is a gift from God. It truly is. Even in the chaos. Even in the hevel. And, and you know what? That, that joy, that what Solomon, I believe, is, is pleading with us is that, you know, that joy, that happiness, that peace, all that, it doesn't come from success. It doesn't come from how far you get up the ladder. It, it, it doesn't come from how big your 401k is or any of that. It only comes through a daily walk and relationship with Him. That's what matters under the sun and over the sun. God's not given us this airtight philosophy or, or ironclad guarantee of success in, in this life. But he has given us this guarantee. He's with us. He's with us. And oh, by the way, he is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And he will walk with us through the chaos He'll walk with us through the hevel of life that we experience under the sun. That's the kind of godly wisdom that we need in our lives and in our, our families today. The call of Ecclesiastes is simply this, I believe, is to give up your life to the one that you may not fully understand. <laughs> Surrender your life to the one that you can't fully understand or comprehend, but he is the one that you can trust. 
He's the one that you can trust. A, a God bigger than the hevel. A God who went through the hevel on a wooden cross so that you can know security and you can know happiness through him. That, my friends, is godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is simply this. Seek ye first his kingdom. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for this journey that you've taken us on over the last few weeks and how your Holy Spirit has spoke and how your Holy Spirit has moved. And God, I don't know what you're doing with this here today, but I know that you have spoken to the hearts and the lives of your people. Maybe you've spoken to the hearts and lives of some people here that haven't yet gotten on the path with you and they're not walking with you. And today would be a day that they would fully understand that life isn't really...